bats and wickets start falling and you're just thinking, what, what's going on here? And then wickets kept falling and you look again and we're walking off and you just think, wow, has the team really just gone and done this? and welcome to another Cricket Scotland podcast. Even though it may be a few more weeks yet till we hear that sound of the ball coming off the middle of the bat again, or in my case that snick through third man, we can carry on talking all things Scottish cricket at least. And to do that today, I'm delighted to be able to welcome a very special guest, Scotland bowler Adrian Neal. Adrian, great to see you by the power of Zoom. A warm welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Jay. Thanks for having me. So I suppose there's only one place we can start these days with the inevitable first question. How have things been for you over the last couple of months or so? It's not been too bad for myself, to be honest. Um, I'm up in Nairn at the moment, um, living with my parents, as this is all kind of ruined my plans of either going down to Bristol or even moving back to Edinburgh. So it's been a bit easy probably for myself as I only got back from Australia in March. So I've not really been unoccupied. As you're saying, when the news of the lockdown was starting to uh, to come through, you were still in Australia at the time. Was was that a little bit of touch and go getting back for a while? Yeah, so um, I changed my flights twice from my initial. So I was planning on leaving the last day in March. But with everything happening so quickly, I thought, um, and my parents were like, you should probably try and get back as soon as you can, just in case... So I booked my flights to the 24th of March, um, flew back, was delayed in Dubai for eight hours because of the, uh, there was some issue with the crew and testing. So yeah, it was a bit interesting at that time. Back in time, thankfully. Um, but I was wondering what sort of challenge this situation presents to a professional sportsman. The necessity that you have to keep yourself in shape without having access to your usual facilities while not really knowing what the situation is going to be and when it will be in terms of a restart? Yeah, I think, well, I wouldn't say keeping yourself fit is the biggest issue. I think it's more having that time scale. So like, you're not, as you say, you don't know when you're going to get back to play and you don't know when you get back to training. And I think that's really the biggest issue for probably myself and maybe others because staying fit is kind of up to you you go out for runs you can still um do your cardio you can spend time in the garden do weights things like that but i think it's more you're worried about your skills factor not your fitness factor so more for bowlers like myself just bowling overs getting overs in the body uh batters hitting balls but like i think for fitness wise it's that's probably the easiest part is staying fit and getting along and doing what you need to do, just kind of ticking over. But I think it's definitely the skills part and not knowing when you're going to be getting back to doing what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, how tricky is it not having a, a specific target really to to aim for at the moment? You don't know when the next game is going to, is going to be. And that's the tricky one because obviously you want to be keeping your body going, still doing what you need to do, but then... In the back of your head, you're like, well, is it going to be another couple of weeks? Is it going to be another month? How long is it going to be? Because at the moment, like, you think something's going to be happening in the next month. So at least now we know 
in the next month, there's a chance that we could be doing something. So it's easier. Whereas before, you're just sat there and you're thinking, when when is anything going to happen? How long is this going to last? So that's probably the worst. Is the not knowing factor. We've got maybe that chink of light just starting to to appear at least. So hopefully it won't be won't be too much longer. We mentioned Australia. Uh, you were over there during the winter, of course. Tell me about uh, about that experience. Yeah. So before Christmas, I spoke to Shane Berger about the possibility about going to Australia, as um, I wasn't sure if I was going to be in the squad to go to the UAE prior to Christmas. So he thought, um, well, if you're not involved, then he's quite happy for me to go away to Australia. Like personally for myself, I would rather be outdoors bowling at players on grass surfaces than be in MES and off a couple paces, which personally I don't feel much benefit for myself. So he was like, I'm very happy with you to go away. So I decided to go to Melbourne for the January, February, March period after Christmas just so I could have a little bit of rest, like December, and then go away. So for three months, it was a bit interesting because I landed and the bushfires was all going on. But weirdly, weekends come and it was raining. So the first month and a half or so, uh, there were meant to be two-day games after Christmas. So it was meant to be Saturday um, one day and then next week the other day two. But they kept getting washed out day one, so they turned just into one-day games. So they were like, oh, we'll bring you over for Red Bull stuff, get you a lot more overs, but turned it to be just being white ball games. And, yeah, it was interesting. Our home club, they is one of the best batting wickets in the league. But the issue was the boundaries were 50 metres all round. So it's one of those kind of grounds that you get in and it's just chaos with the bat. <laughs> Um, to start with, it was interesting. Like, I was a bit, wouldn't say shocked or anything, but the way they just came out, especially at the home ground, they just came out and threw back against ball because 50 meter boundaries all around, it's anything goes everywhere. But no, I enjoyed it a lot. I would definitely look to go out again. At six foot eight. You're one of that small group of fast bowlers that presents batsmen with something they don't have to face very often in terms of trajectory, angles, and, and so on. What advantage do you feel that your height gives you as a bowler? And on the flip side of that, are there any minuses to it as well? Um, I think definitely advantages are being able to gather bounds from wickets that are probably a little bit soft or a little bit dead. So that gives me something that guys a little bit short, shorter than me or guys that don't swing the ball or anything like that it gives me an extra advantage that the batsmen don't expect so a dead pitch they all think yes ball's going to come on nice length whereas myself being so tall we generate a little bit extra bounce and just maybe something else could happen but then as you say on the flip side um, the issue is on better wickets they know it's going to going to come up so they're always hanging back so for me I have to try and go a little bit fuller to assume that they're not going to just be set on the back foot waiting for anything short or even thing a little bit short that they could just drop back onto so I think one of the disadvantages as a bowler 
making sure that I'm bowling fuller so that the batsmen don't think everything's just going to sit up nicely and it's going to be a nice, nice day to score runs. For everyone playing cricket, normally you try and hit that six and a half metre length. So for me, I can go a little bit fuller, so I go about six metres, five and a half metres in between that gap. So ideally just trying to hit the stumps as much as I can or try and bowl into like guys' hips or like to limit their scoring. That would be my stop delivery, as you would say, like. Quite apart from the experiences that we've talked about, you were pretty well travelled by the time you hit your teenage years. You were born in South Africa, then over to England and, and eventually up to up to Nam. Tell me about those those early years, how they shaped you uh, into the, the player that you are now. Yeah, so when I was younger, growing up in South Africa, obviously sports is a massive part of their culture. So growing up, uh, for boys, it was rugby in the winter, cricket in the summer. Uh, for girls, it was um, hockey and netball. So like when my younger days, it was just, all schools play cricket. So growing up, it was just kind of something I did every summer. I was like, yes, cricket in the summer and then rugby in the winter. And then it just kind of transformed as I moved to England when I was in 2004, moved to England, started playing a little bit more rugby and then basketball as well. So through those, cricket was just kind of there. It was always there. It never like stopped playing, but it kind of just got put little bit on the back burner so I thought rugby I'll play rugby I'll play basketball and then crickets in the summer for a little bit living in England started taking up a couple more sports because there was a little bit more opportunities to play more sports so I played rugby hockey basketball cricket that was kind of like my main four but as I got older and we moved up to Scotland I gave up hockey started getting quite tall because obviously hockey sticks that only get to turn lengths. So <laughs> gave up hockey, uh, gave up rugby as well uh, at the age of 18 when I finished school. I uh, gave up rugby, just body couldn't handle it on a Sunday. I was still playing basketball at quite a high level, played under 18 Scotland basketball for a while. And then had to make the decision between cricket or basketball, which one do I really want to go after? And decided on cricket. So moved to Aberdeen due to Neil McRae. He said, well, if you want to further your cricket, we'll give you an opportunity here in Aberdeenshire. So finished school, moved up to Aberdeen and then played there a couple of years, won the league second year round. Um, and then at that point, Grant Bradburn was still in charge of the Scotland setup, And he was like, if you want to have a serious chance at making the squad, you'd have to try and get to more training sessions. So at that point, I was travelling between Aberdeen and Edinburgh. So I moved to Edinburgh two years later to give it a real go. And so your first route in was was through Scotland A, and it was through playing with Scotland A that you got your opportunity with Gloucestershire as well. Yeah, um, obviously, uh, during the Scotland A stuff, um, we'd be playing various counties, and we went down for a... I think it might have been a two-day game and a couple of T20s on the third day. And, yeah, was given the opportunity by Owen Dawkins, um, second-team coach, to go down to Gloucestershire. Went down for my first year as, like, kind of like a season trial. Performed quite well, bowled 
probably the most overs I've ever bowled in my life that season. And well, at the end of that, was offered a one-year deal with them. And yeah, it kind of that probably helped me the most out of everything going down there and being able to train daily and they not really have any distractions like when I was up in Edinburgh and obviously had to balance work and cricket, which was probably the hardest thing. But as you say, being in that kind of county environment, only knowing that you have to focus on your skills in cricket, it does you so well. When you start playing from what I was playing in Nairn, just like your local Saturday cricket, like some guys took it seriously, some guys didn't, to them playing Premier League cricket and you come up against the guys that you want to be part of, like you want to be part of that squad and you'll be playing those players and you realise how much of a difference there is, which definitely helped, knowing that if I want to be there, this is what I'm going to have to do. So I think just playing a higher standard, like I've always found myself personally that if I'm put in a tough situation or against tougher oppositions, I get better much quicker than if I was just to like slowly go up the levels. I think Neil McRae early on was definitely the the guy that helped me push on, then was involved more in the Scotland A stuff and the age group stuff. So that helped a lot. And then, as you say, going down to Gloucestershire with Owen Dawkins and all the staff down there definitely helped me progress much quicker than I was expecting. But I think all the way through the Scotland development, Toby Bailey helped me and pushed me probably the hardest out of everyone because he probably saw something that I didn't really see at that time to be able to, like, yes, he could be something if he just keeps working hard. Part of that development is the Tilney Regional Series, which is an important part of the the structure within Scotland, and you, you play for Caledonian Highlanders, of course. That competition's really increased in profile and stature and significance over the past three or four years. How important do you see it as a competition? I, I think it's definitely something that has to be focused on a lot. Like They're still pushing resources towards it, but obviously they're trying to get it up to that list A kind of status or around there. But as you can see, like the players in all three teams are high caliber players, like best at their club. And the only way we're going to be able to increase our squad in like Scotland and etc. is to find those players. And like obviously that if they perform on that Tilney Pro Series, then their profile is automatically raised. If you compare the Tilney to the second eleven county south, it's very close. And that's a good thing for Scotland. But if we keep pushing the level and the competitiveness in that Tilney series, then we're only gonna become better. The last time we chatted like this was just before the tour to Oman in February last year. You'd just been called up to the full squad for the first time. You could say that tour turned out to be a pretty memorable introduction to international cricket. Um, you were player of the match on debut. You took three for 21 in that last match of the T20 quadrangular series against Oman. What do you remember of the run-up to that game and the, the match itself? Um, so I got told the day before by Toby that I would be playing. So 
at least I had some time to kind of settle, realize that yes, I'm playing, so you can kind of calm down and just absorb everything. We arrived match day, obviously a little bit nervous. Actually, it's a lie. Like warm ups and everything, I was fine, but we had like a little chat just before we walked onto the field, and everyone else walked on, and I was just thinking, oh, here we go. But luckily, during that game, um, I think it might have been my second touch of the ball or something. There was a run out that I was involved in that really helped calm everything down, which I was very, very glad about that I've been able to contribute. So, like, all the nerves kind of settled. And then when I got told I'm, when I was bowling, like, that's when I felt most in control because obviously you've been doing this now for a while, you know what you need to do. So I felt at my calmest when I was about to bowl, which was always a good thing to start with. And everything seemed to go right. I mean, 3 for 21 is not a bad, not a bad first haul. It was almost the perfect game apart from the drop catch. But yes, you could say it's probably the one way you want to start your first game. So your list day debut uh, came just two days later, again against Oman in that incredible first match of the 50-over series that, that followed the, the T20 quadrangular. I was one of those fans who woke up in the uh, in the morning and checked the score, thinking we'd be midway through the first innings to find out that it had all it had all finished. It was all over. Pretty extraordinary match. Yeah, no, that was one of those games that you just never see coming. Like, obviously, you rock up to the game, everything feels normal, and then game starts and wickets start falling and you're just thinking... What, what's going on here? And then wickets kept falling and you look again and we're walking off and you just think, wow, like, has the team really just gone and done this? 24 all out was the Oman total, the third lowest list day total of all time at that at, at that point. And you'd you'd taken four for seven in just over four overs. Yeah, the weirdest thing is not, it wasn't just myself that took four for seven. I, Rory Smith um, picked up identical figures. Very interesting day that was. Bizarre. It certainly was. So after that tour, everything was looking rosy. You looked like you pretty much cemented a place. Uh, we got the home internationals against Afghanistan and Sri Lanka on the horizon. And then injury got in the way of, of all that. What what was it that uh, that happened? So I got back from Oman. Uh, got back down to Bristol. We're doing some indoor nets. And... We were just like like gentle warm-ups. Um, then the batters came in. We were boiling our batters, and I just felt something twinge. So I went to the physio to get checked out, and they weren't sure. Like They thought it might have been either like a muscle spasm or you've pulled something like muscle-wise in your back. So I went to go get scanned on it, and they came back, and they were like, you've not got a tear or anything like that. So we think it might just be a strain, but leading up to the season, that just kept hindering me. It just it disappeared, and then it would return. And like the first two months of the season, like that just kept. Like, I was struggling to bend to field the ball at like some games. Like I would bowl, uh, bowl a spell, cool down, and then it would just like spasm up. But yeah, that was that really annoyed me that season because obviously just got back from a good tour and I was like looking to push on to like hopefully the first team and get like that opportunity that I really wanted 
luckily it just went away over time, but still, like, one of those things you look back on and you go, what if yeah. I wasn't injured there? What what could have happened? Just the worst possible time, wasn't it? And I mean, injury is something that comes with the territory for a sportsman, I suppose, in, in one way, but it can't make it any easier to, to deal with when you're when you're on the sidelines. No, um, injury is one of those things that you know it's going to happen at some point. You just don't know when, and it's just all about how you deal with it and prevention. To be honest, like it's all about these days. It's all about recovery after matches, um, after training, um, looking after your body, and doing that. So, you look at some players; their recovery is immaculate, but they could still be injured. So it's just one of those things that, as you say, just comes with territory. It's going to happen, and you just need to accept that it's going to happen eventually, at some point. But you, you did find your way back into the side at least over the over the summer and made your ODI debut in some familiar surroundings um, and against some familiar opposition as well. Yeah, um, Aberdeen, home of cricket, some would say. <laughs> um, yeah, so I made my debut there, familiar surroundings, felt. No nerves at all, obviously, because you know where you are. You know how pitch plays, or so we thought. Uh, and, yeah, thank goodness. Um, we didn't go to plan, didn't bowl terribly, but, yeah. And you've been a bit in and out of the side a little since then. So what do you what do you feel is the next step for you to, to get yourself back into regular contention again? For myself, it's just performances. If I keep performing, I can't see a reason to get left out or to not be selected, at least in the squad. So I think it's performances and then also conditions, depending on where we're going. Like, obviously, if we're going to somewhere it's going to turn massive and teams not going to play a big part, would I would completely understand. But there's a place where I can make a difference in the team and contribute towards a win. Then I'd always like to be in contention and knowing that I have a chance. Well, the very best of luck with everything that's coming forward. I know that every fan of Scottish cricket will be looking forward to the day you put the Scotland shirt back on again. You really deserve every success. Thank you very much. Many thanks to Adrian Neal once again. It was great to talk to him. And now, just before I go, it's competition time here on the Cricket Scotland podcast to be in with a chance of winning a copy of my new book, The Secret Game, Tales of Scottish Cricket. Simply follow us on Twitter at ScotlandPod and tweet us using the hashtag TheSecretGame. I've got two copies to give away and the winners will be drawn at random next weekend. I'll then get in touch to ask if you'd like me to personalise your copy. Very best of luck. I'll be back next Monday with another episode of the Cricket Scotland podcast. But until then, from me, Jake Perry, thanks again for listening.